In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When we come to this time when these piles of parables are all on one Sunday, it's just wild to figure out where, where do I go. Uh, I always chuckle when I hear Jesus asking his disciples. The way Matthew tells the story, he told all these parables in a row. And he says, have you understood all this? And they say, yes. I'm thinking, really? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> uh, so you're probably hoping that I will be dealing mostly with those who uh, go out weeping and gnashing their teeth because they're rejected. But uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to swoop into this story of the treasure that is discovered and then is buried again. And then the, the man sells, uh, he, he takes all that he has and to buy that field that contains the treasure. For as interesting as the little details about parables can be, there's usually one big point, and then the point that applies to all of them is the question to the hearer, are you going to say yes or no to God? Are you going to say yes or no to the kingdom? And in our saying yes, I hope, to this parable, I think that we will have this chance to discover a little bit more about the treasure that is God with us. The treasure that is God connecting God's self to us for our own good, but really for God's sake. Because that's the one to whom we belong. We always think we know what's best for us. We always think we know what is a true treasure in our lives, but usually we only have part of the story, part of the truth about what is valuable. In some cases, there are treasures working for us that we don't even acknowledge anymore or never knew that we had at all. It's a shame when you possess something truly valuable, but you don't even know it's there. I think about this smartphone that people carry and how it can do a billion things and we either do three things with it or 3,000 things with it, but there seems to be no end to it. It's way too powerful for my own interest. Uh, my grandfather, who was born before the 20th century, just several years before, I used to visit him at his home, and I know he had an atlas. I know he had reference books. He had a compass from his time in the Army. I know that he had uh, a phone, a telephone. Uh, he had all these, he had maps. I, I'm sure he didn't have an awareness that someday all of that stuff would be in this little box. But there are lots of things that I don't use on the phone. It's more powerful. It's that way, you know, even with our brains, which is a much better smart computer than the phone. They tell us that uh, we use just a small portion 
of all of the brain cells that are available to us. And when things get dicey somehow health-wise in our life, they're even discovering more and more how the neoplasticity of the brain, the neuroplasticity of the brain allows for certain functions of the brain to open up when others have closed off. They're learning how to trigger those shifts so that cells that we didn't even, that the brain didn't even know it had to use starts using. When we were baptized, we were connected. And the promise of the way the church teaches baptism is that the Holy Spirit will be with us always and will never leave us and will be operating within us in ways that we come to realize and in many ways that we will never realize. The Holy Spirit operating with us as kind of a receptacle or a, a, t a tabernacle, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, that may be something that we cognitively know from Scripture or from Catechism, but it's even more the blessing, more the treasure, when we come to know this more deeply in a more detailed fashion. The Spirit attracts us to God because God is with us through the Spirit, around us, in us, guiding us. When we make up our minds to pray about something, it's probably the Spirit who has coaxed us into turning to God. And we can pray in ways that are language-based. They have to do with our ideas, our perception of life, and, and our situation and the universe. And so even the Catechism of the Prayer Book talks about various kinds of prayer that are connected to words and ideas. Prayers of thanksgiving, adoration, worship and praise intercession for other people, petition for ourselves, oblation, where we offer ourselves to God. These are word concepts. They make sense to us. We understand what those things are. Paul, more the mystic than most people give him credit for, teaches in his essay to the Romans that the Spirit is at prayer within us. Sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought. And he, he writes to the Romans, the Roman Christians, the Spirit intercedes in these situations with sighs too deep for words. And it is that to which I turn our attention. Underneath the noisiness of the prayers that I think of to pray, the Spirit is already praying. And not only can the Spirit take it when I run out of words, 
but also I should probably stop my words on purpose sometimes so that the Spirit can take it. Our world is a world filled with noise, physical noise that comes as sound waves into our ears, like when the earth movers are are busy out in front of our parking lot and we're out there and the traffic is going by and they're shouting to them. But also the noise that comes through this and other things like it that, that pounds you with concepts and opinions and pronouncements and statements. And there's another kind of noise, the noise inside our own heads. And we think that all this will help us to direct us to the right road, but there comes a time when we need to understand that we need to appreciate some beautiful sounds rather than all the noise. Art can bring us sounds. Nature can bring us sounds. And did you know this? Somewhere I feel like I've got to give credit to Paul Simon, but I don't, didn't nor- normally think of this, the sound of silence. The chance to stop with our busy prayers and to stop with our listening to devices and to listen instead with the prayer of stillness. We can certainly gain from the prayer of movement. But have you, have you tried enough? Have you made it a discipline of your prayer life to get quiet and to allow the sound to be the occasion for the Spirit to teach us something new? In this kind of praying, it's not only some benefit, some self-improvement that you're up to. That's not the object of it. It's that your very Spirit, as the Holy Spirit has gotten hold of it, yearns for this quiet, this stillness. And you begin to discover yourself that has been hidden from you, the treasure that you are and the treasure that God is, that has been buried and you didn't even know it was there. Lawrence Freeman in one of his recent writings was talking about, uh, you know, this is a Benedictine guy, He was talking about the distinction between noise and sound. He says, noise is unnatural and doesn't care what it disturbs. It feels it has the right of way and always claims it. Sound reaches us subtly from the great silence of nature and then these sounds draw our attention to it. It would be a shame to possess a treasure and then never to unbury it and never to open it up and never to say, oh wow, you mean there's all this as well? So in the next uh, 15 seconds or so, think about 
what you might try this week to give yourself a chance to be still and be quiet. There. Is that so terrible? I do. I do know that there's something there for us to discover. Amen.